Welcome to Under the Magnifier, where some peeps talk about stoof. And today we're going to continue our One Piece journey. We stopped at Alabasta, so we are starting on Jaya, right? Yeah. Jaya, and that pretty much just bleeds into Skypea because the entire Jaya arc is them talking about Skypea. Yeah, I mean, so Jaya starts with, of course, Nico Robin joining the crew. Right, yeah, and they have those episodes of her, like, earning their trust and everything. Yeah, it's just, like, really one episode of trust gathering. Is it one? Yeah, it's pretty much just one. I thought it was, like, a, a episode for each one, because I know, like, the part with her with Chopper, I feel like that was, like, an entire episode where he's just left alone with her. That's legit the only one I remember. <laughs> How she runs over Ushop is she gives Luffy antlers so he can imitate Chopper. And that wins over Usopp? Yeah, makes him laugh. <laughs> I guess the best way to a man's heart is through his funny bone. Rarely enough, I guess. Sanji doesn't need to be won over, I don't think. Mm-mm. All right, so I don't think we have any housekeeping from the last episode. Like, I know it's a little disorganized, so we're going to try to be a little more on point this time. Because <laughs> this is us remembering the arc. So I think they go, like, straight to Jaya, which is, like, it looks like a... S no. Okay, remind me, because I know the map, I guess, spoilers, obviously this is going to be spoilers, guys. The map of Jaya and Skypea is a skull. Yeah, so what happens is they, Nico joins the crew, she reveals she's an archaeologist, everyone has a bonding moment, and then a giant galleon falls out of the sky. Right, I forgot about that, and they're like, oh my god, and they dodge it, and it's like, what the hell just happened? And it sinks. Yeah, it starts to sink, and then they go down and they dive to try to recover stuff. That's where they find the map of Skypea. You reminded me of the part I forgot about, and that's the Monkey Brothers. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're monkeys, but they kind of look like monkeys, and they're the guys that salvage ships. Because mm -hmm. apparently ships just fall from the sky every once in a while in this area, weirdly enough. I forgot about the divers. I don't know why, because the main dude on that island is a diver. Mm -hmm. They're kind of important to the story later. Yeah, and I mean, their characters are fun. Like, the brothers are pretty fun. They're caricatures, but they're fun. And they, like, hop aboard one of their subs or something, which is great, because the people that get on the sub are, like, Luffy and Chopper. Well, they don't get in a sub. They have diving suits. Right. That are made of barrels. But they send the devil fruit users into the water. <laughs> they send one devil fruit user. Oh, I thought Chopper went with them. No, it's just Luffy, Zoro, and Sanji. It would be just Zoro and Sanji, but Luffy ain't letting them get away with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and they do the trick with, like, the tube in the air that goes down to them, even though that wouldn't really work on the bottom of the ocean because the pressure would just crush that tube, I think. Well, it depends on how far down it goes. It's an ocean. Yeah, it's a little iffy. They're, like, near an island, and uh, it's weird. It, there could be factors. Don't know how deep it is at that point. I guess the pressure could be less. Like, if they had enough, I doubt they had enough tubing to get deep enough for the pressure to become a problem for the tubing. Like, they'd run out of tubing before they ran out of, like, light pressure. Mm. Yeah, I guess so. So they go down to that ship, and then they end up, they end up fighting the brothers, if I remember. Close. They almost get into a fight with them. They're squaring up to fight, and then, hey, it's a giant turtle. <laughs> all right, and they all run from the giant turtle? Well, kind of. They're all getting ready to run or fight the giant turtle, and then the turtle is scared because giant angel silhouettes. Oh, right. It's just one thing after another. It's a Makustov Russian nesting doll of horrors. Of troubles. Yeah, and then they all run away from the shadows. Right, because the dude, the salvage dude has like a special ship or something because he moves quick, even without wind. I don't know if it's oars. I don't quite remember. I think they do have oars. I I'm not sure. I don't remember that part so well. But the big mystery here is the log pose is pointing up. Right, yeah, because it's pointing to the Sky Island. And this is where we really start to benefit from having Nico Robin on the crew as a seasoned veteran Grand Line traveler. She's the one who says, no, the log pose isn't broken. You just need to stop trusting your instincts. Our next destination is in the sky. Yeah, because she's, I think she's one of the few that it was born and raised, other than, I guess, Chopper, that was born and raised on the Grand Line. But she's born and raised sailing on the Grand Line because she's jumped from, like, ship to ship of the current crew. Yeah. She's the only one who's traveled the Grand Line. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And that leads them to go to Jaya. Yep, we go to Jaya and we meet... I think we go to Mock Town first. Mock Town? Oh, yes. Oh, God. Because 
Wait, is Mocktown on Jaya? Yeah. Right. They go to the island Jaya, but they go to Mocktown. And we have that scene of them in the bar mm-hmm. where Luffy does a shanks and refuses to fight. So him and Zoro get the heck beat out of them. And Nami's upset. And they're like, it's not worth it. So they refuse to fight Bellamy and his people. Yeah, Bellamy's uh, attitude towards adventure and treasure and dreams is such an affront to Luffy's belief that he doesn't see him as a person or a rival worth fighting. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the thing is, too, like the dude spills beer on him. And that just reminds him of the time he saw Shanks, like, people throw do beer and stuff. I think Zoro was ready to fight. Mm-hmm. But Luffy was like, don't. And this kind of shows how much Zoro trusts in Luffy that he's like, all right. And he just takes a beating with Luffy and doesn't do a thing. Yeah. And I think most of the other crewmates would have probably, like, even Sanji would have jumped in and tried to defend. But Zoro's like, no. Yeah. Zoro's the only crewmate who would have taken that beating like that. Yeah. He follows Luffy to a fault. He leaves. Or he's in the street, I think, because they throw him out a window or something. Yeah. And he meets Teak. Teach. Teach. Marshall D. Teach. Yeah. And they're introduced to him. And I mean, Luffy at first is just cool with him. No, Luffy hates this guy at first. Really? We meet him in the street. That's the second time meeting him. Is it? The first time is back in the bar where they drive home how much like opposites they are. Mm-hmm. Because first you see Luffy in silhouette against Blackbeard. He's smaller. He's slender. He's bright colored. Blackbeard's big he's like massive he's dark and then they argue about the food luffy thinks the drinks taste great but the pies taste awful whereas blackbeard has the exact opposite reaction (laughs) and then in the street we find that they have the same kind of philosophical belief about dreams yeah but then they're going about it completely differently yeah because i know like in the street i don't know if they have like a bonding moment but they had like a moment where Luffy kind of acknowledges him because the dude toasts him. He makes a toast to Luffy, but he's like a toast to dreams. Yeah, I wouldn't even say Luffy acknowledges him. Luffy just lets him go, kind of almost ignores him, just like acknowledges that he spoke, but he doesn't like validate what he said or anything like that. He just walks away. Yeah, it's great because they just walk away and they go back to the ship and like Luffy's not angry, even though you think he would be. I think Zoro's pissed, but Zoro's not going to say anything because he did just get beat up, but Luffy's just like, it's not worth it. I think that says a lot about Luffy's character too, that he's not like he, before this, every chance he's had to fight for something, He's fought. But in this instance of just a simple disagreement and those people making fun of him, it's not worth it. So he just doesn't bother to fight. Yeah, he's not interested in a bar brawl for the sake of a bar brawl. Yeah. And it's like, these people aren't strong enough to actually hurt me. So what's the point in actually fighting back? And you just a few minutes before that, you see Luffy get ready to fight the guy who's claiming he's the strongest fighter in the world. Mm-hmm. Just because, well, no, I'm stronger than him. You know, I can beat him just to prove that I can. But that's a better reason than what he had with the Bellamy gang. Yeah. And like the Bellamy gang starts shit just because, no, it's after, isn't it? It's afterwards that the wanted posters come in and they find out that Luffy has a way bigger bounty than they do. Yeah. And this is our first indicator that the wanted posters are more than just, you know, the government tracking. It's where you actually start to see like pirates comparing and using it as almost a pseudo like power scaling system. Yeah, kind of. It's like, Oh, they have a higher bounty than you. That means they're more powerful than you. Yeah, they, they're a bigger threat. So I remember that because his bounty, I can't remember the numbers, but I think his bounty is like double Bellamy's or something. See, I believe Bellamy's is 60 million and Luffy's is 100 million and Zoro's is 70 million. And Chopper, I don't think Chopper has one. If he does, it's like 25 or something. No, no one else had, only Zoro and Luffy have a bounty at this point. Right, probably from the time they fought the Marine Corps. It's from, Zoro earned his on Alabasta, and that's where Luffy's jumped up to 100. Right, yeah. Before that, Luffy had 30 that he got after defeating Arlong. Right, yeah, because they're tracking what he does, and they're like, oh, every time you do something, we're going to pop this thing up, because his gets pretty big. And it's not every time. Well, every time they do something major right like every time they have like a big fight against somebody you would consider like the boss dude it pops up i mean like nothing happens after thriller bark i mean nobody reports thriller bark though mm, kuma does oh does he i didn't think about that yeah and kuma lets him go but the government decides they don't want to say that luffy defeated another warlord so they keep it hush hush and don't inflate his bounty yeah i think that's all that happens at mock town yeah that's pretty much the end of mock town and then you go and you meet mock block cricket Cricket. Yes, that was his name. I'm like, it was M something. Montblanc Cricket. Because this is when Sanji shows off that he isn't from the East Blue because he knows this 
story that only people in like the North Blue know, I think he says, because it's like a fairy tale there. Yeah, he's from the North Blue originally, and Cricket's family is also from there, and so is Nolan the Liar, who is his ancestor, who discovered the city of gold that is now missing from Jire. Yeah. And he's diving to try and find it. Is Jaya like a small piece or did the piece that got shot up a small piece? I can't remember. No, the piece that got shot up is the top of the skull. It is the bigger piece. Okay, I was about to say, I know one, like, couldn't remember if it was the bigger piece. I know it was a good, like, the island doesn't look like a skull when it's divided, but when you see the full thing, it looks like a skull and like in the eye or something is where the treasure was or something? Because that's where the city... I want to say it's in the skull's right eye. Yeah. Because the left eye is just a, a lake. Yeah, they get to hear the story of Nolan, which is kind of tragic. Like, he came here forever ago, met the tribe that lives in the sky now, and... Well, actually, you don't find that out until later. Do you not? I thought Cricket tells them that story. No, Cricket just tells them the storybook version. Right. You don't get the actual flashback until the end of Skypea. Right, because the other guy tells them the other half of the story, because he was there. Nobody tells them. Oh, we just see it in flashback, so we know, but they don't. Yeah, we get the flashback. No one else tells it. I'm guessing maybe Robin picks it up from Poneglyphs. Oh, uh, maybe. But no, because this all happens after the Poneglyphs were written. So yeah, no. The narrator deems it necessary to inform us, the reader, of the flashback. No one else present knows that story or how it happened. Yeah, but they meet Cricket and like he, his, he was sick. He has the bends. He has the bends because he dives so much. Yep. And it's messing him up. Um, For our listeners, little trivia, because I know this, if you dive too quickly and you come up too fast and you don't relieve oxygen as you come up, nitrogen builds in your bloodstream and can cause the bends. It's painful. It can kill you if you go too high up in altitude, but it's just usually really painful. But because he hasn't been decompressing, it's like building over time and doing damage. And there's two guys that pick them up. The Salvage Brothers. Get their names. I don't remember what they were. But they're like, that's like their boss, kind of. Like they really respect him and they live in that little house with like the, the big old facade on it. It's a tiny house, but it looks like a castle on one side. Mm-hmm. Oh, which is hilarious. And he has like little bits of gold to prove that it was there at one point. And that's what he's doing. He's just diving repeatedly to try to clear his ancestor's name because he's just known as Nolan the Liar. Well, he says that he's not really interested in clearing his name. Like he's not trying to make it public knowledge. He's just doing it for his own satisfaction. And he's devoted himself to it. He was a pirate captain. Mm-hmm. I think his story was that like his family, like that entire Montblanc line, all devoted their lives to it. And he went against it and became a pirate. But then when he came back and settled down, he just something drew him into diving and trying to find this island. Just Well, no, because while traveling the Grand Line, he discovered Jaya. Uh, I thought he started in Jaya. No, his family's from the North Blue. Oh. That's where Nolan the Liar was from. He's But he went off and became a pirate. And as a pirate discovered Jaya and decided that that was fate, that he stumbled upon the same island his father or his ancestor was shamed for and abandoned his pirate crew to search for answers. It's ancestor because this is like 50 plus years ago, I think. I don't know if it's more than 100. 400 years, I believe. 400? Oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. Okay, that's a huge, that's bigger than I thought it was. I know it was a long time. The void century was 800 years ago. Right. The void century that nobody talks about. I don't think they've revealed that card at all while I've been watching it. If they have, I don't remember it. No, nothing in what you've seen. I have had in the manga, we've had a little nibble very recently. (laughs) So they hang out with him for a while and then... Well, he renovates the ship to ride the knock-up stream. Right, yeah. Because he's like, if you want to go up there, the only way you can is the knock-up stream. Which is like this... It's got a pillar of water that shoots into the sky. Yep. And that's how that ship fell down. It hit a knock-up stream and then just came back. That's what Bellamy's crew says happened to it. It was a ghost ship wandering around at sea, hit the knock-up stream, and then was knocked back down. Mm -hmm. Which, but, I mean, the ship was ancient. Yeah. Easily several hundred years old. It had clearly been floating around on a sky island sea and then just fell. Yeah, it probably got knocked up, got caught up there for a while, and then came back down. Well, it probably didn't get knocked up. It was taken up. Like Luffy and his crew do. They ride the knock-up stream. The previous owners of the ship probably intended 
intentionally rode the knockup screen to get to the uh, Sky Island, and then while there, were killed by natives or whatever, and then their ship was left afloat on a sky sea until it met the edge and fell to the blue sea. Natives, or they passed out and got killed by the stuff up there. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think there's anything else to say about them. This, oh, well, no, the Bellamy stuff that happens. Yeah, they, the crickets and the monkey guys fix up the ship, and the straw hats have to find a... Oh, the bird um, that always points north. Is a south. South. It always points south. I think it's just called a south bird. Yeah, I think it's called a south bird. I'm like, I remember it's like named after the direction it points in. Yeah. Which makes sense. It's like, it always points that way. And it has like a weird call. Oh, this is when you find out that Sanji's deathly afraid of bugs. And Usopp's like, eh, yeah. bugs are bugs. <laughs> but while they're out looking for the south bird, Bellamy and his crew attack Cricket and the others, beat them up and steal their gold and destroy the ship. And when Luffy finds out about it, the crew is like, well, we can fix it up again. Like, they didn't do anything that can't be fixed. We'll have it ready by morning. And Luffy's like, well, I'm going to go kick their ass. And I love the world. She's like, you need help? And Luffy's like, nah. <laughs> and just takes off one foot. I love this part. <laughs> and it goes back to the village. And that's when you get to see the people of Lowtown get the new wanted posters. Oh. And they're starting to panic about the bounties. Yeah, because they see Luffy's bounty and Luffy's coming for them now. And Luffy's like, you know, Bellamy says, eh, these they're inflated. They bribed officials to get their bounties up. That's all this is. This is nothing but backless bragging rights. And they are like, sure, whatever. But then Luffy shows up, calls them out. And my notes just say, one punch. <laughs> oh, I love this because me and you both agree. He kills this man. I don't care if he ca- shows up later. He kills this man. <laughs> He caves the side of his skull. Because Bellamy has, I think it's the spring spring fruit. Yep. So he can use it to build up momentum. And that's, he's like bouncing around and shit. And Luffy's just fucking standing there. Like he's not doing shit. Just standing in the middle of the town. He's bouncing around. And he comes at Luffy and he just lifts up one of his arms, makes an actual muscle, and then just decks him and leaves an indent in his face. He beat him without using his devil fruit power. Yep. He just proved that me as I am can take you and your devil fruit power on and you're not even a challenge. And he does a callback when Bellamy and his crew were beating up on Luffy and Zoro. They ask him, do you know how to, do you even know how to throw a punch? So as Luffy's standing there holding his arm up, he asks, you ask if I know how to throw a punch. Well, this is me throwing a punch and he just lays his ass out. Mm -hmm. And then you got that great moment where he gathers up the gold and he's like running away to go back to the group and they're like where are you going and he just holds up the bloodied fist and he points and he's like to the sky <laughs> right yeah oh that that scene is probably one of my favorite scenes because me and clayton with the first time we saw that we were both like oh damn we just killed that man <laughs> luffy killed the man <laughs> He goes down so hard. Yeah, great moment in terms of just pure hype. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, they get on the ship and they go out to sea and they ride the knockup stream, right? Which is like utterly terrifying. Yeah, like they calculate when it's going to happen and they're like, you got to go now. Yeah, but as they're riding the stream up, smash cut to somewhere else. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, this is the thing. Jaya and Skypea as a whole are the first real big world building arcs where we really get to see the world around them. Mm-hmm. So we get to see the government reacting to the fact that Luffy defeated Crocodile. Oh, yeah, right. And defeated one of the seven warlords. And what do they do about that? So you get to see a meeting of warlords. Of course, only a few show up. Bartholomew, Kuma, Mihawk. Kimo, Muhawk. You see Don Flamingo. Yeah, and those are the only three that show up, though. Yeah. And then Lafitte shows up, the underling for Blackbeard, saying, hey, you should make Blackbeard the pirate. He's going to capture a big pirate to prove his worth. And when they're going up the knockout screen, the Blackbeard pirates are coming after him, but they decide that they're not equipped to go up the knockout screen, and they're just like, oh, good on you. Yeah, they have, like, a really dingy boat. <laughs> they wouldn't survive the knockout stream. They're, like, in, like, a dinghy or something. It's crazy. It's a giant raft. Yeah. It's like four logs, four huge logs attached together with a single mast and sail coming off of it. But like the logs all have cannons in the front of them. Yeah. Like I legitimately like when I saw that scene, because it's just him and like, I think three or four other dudes. And I'm like, yeah, this is not a crew. <laughs> and even as that dude that looks like he's dead, that's always riding a horse. Their doctor. Yeah. yeah. Like your doctor looks sick. <laughs> 
And then we also get to see Whitebeard for the first time. Oh, is this when we get to see Whitebeard meet Shanks or just we get the glimpse of Whitebeard? No, we get to see Whitebeard refuse a letter from Shanks by a messenger named Rockstar, who is a new member of Shanks' crew. Uh, and it, and he like, brings Whitebeard the letter and he's like, I have a letter from Shanks. And Shanks like burns it and he's like, tell Shanks if he wants to talk to me to come talk to me. Mm-hmm. So we'll see that happen later. Which is a huge deal because apparently, like, they don't like the government, and I think even the warlords don't like it when the big pirate captains talk to each other. Mm-hmm. So it's like a huge deal when they move out of their territories because Shanks has his territory and Whitebeard has his. Yeah, and then we're officially onto actual Skypea. Yeah, they get knocked up and they end up on a like a cloud river that takes them up. They're in a sea. Yeah. Yeah, a cloud sea. And they meet that weird toll lady that acts for an extremely absurd amount of money. Well, it's we don't know if it's actually in a lot a lot of money. I think she says how much in berries too. And we're like, we don't have that. Like she's like, this much Skypea money or this much berry. And they're like, no, we don't we don't have that. So they just go past her and she takes pictures of them and is like, they're not playing the toll, which bites them in the ass. <laughs> Yeah. And then we get to see them on an ocean. I guess they just pop up on a cloud ocean. In fact, before that, before they meet the gatekeeper, they run into the gorilla and are saved by the Sky Knight. Right. Well, gorilla, not like the animal, but like the freedom fighter. <laughs> right? Yeah. The dude with the roller skates. Yeah, and bazooka. Yeah, he jumps on their ship and then the Sky Knight shows up and he's like, everybody gets one. <laughs> And then he gives them a flute, I think, or a whistle. A whistle. I call him because he's like an old dude with a, he's like a lance and he's riding a horse. Well, he's riding a horse that ate the bird bird fruit. Yeah, he's basically riding a pegasus. Wait, no. He's riding a bird that ate the horse horse fruit. Whatever it is, it's basically a pegasus. The horse yeah. of wing fly. Yeah. A pink polka dot pegasus. Pink or purple? I know it's polka dotty. It's pink with purple polka dots. And the alliteration is getting out of hand. Pink and purple polka dotted pegasus. <laughs> oh. And I even said a proximity of a pink and purple pop polka dotted <laughs> pegasus. Exactly. So she sells on the seashore. <laughs> but yeah, they meet him and then they end up. They're like all weakened too. Like they can't fight the gorilla fighter because the altitude sickness is getting them. Uh, they're not used to how thin the air is. I mean, that's altitude sickness, right? When the oxygen is very thin. Uh, if it makes you sick, you could call it altitude sickness. But I mean, most of them, I think some of them pass, but they're all like super weak. When they get up there and they end up on the beach, they recuperate for a little while to get used to it. Yeah, but they're not really weakened. They just can't catch their breath. Yeah. Yeah. And then. I'm kind of letting you lead because you have your bullet points. But they run into like, everybody's wearing angel wings and a fake halo, I think. Is it a fake halo? I associate them with a halo. No, they're wearing dingle boppers in their hair. They're not halos. They're antennas. Yeah. There's two little balls on a headband. It's weird. But they all have like angel wings sewn onto their clothes, which is weird looking. Yeah. Like for a second, you think they have actual rings. Like everyone here has rings, but no. Mm-hmm. I love that it's just like the giants they see sometimes is just them casting shadows. Yeah. When you're that high up and you cast a shadow, you cast a really big shadow. Uh, and that's when they meet the father-daughter duo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And start to learn about the world. They're introduced to new technologies like the raver and the tone dials. As I say, they're introduced to something very important, the to- the dials, because yeah. there's so many different dials. They have like the pressure, the um the one that I want to say it's recoil, but I don't think it's recoil, but like the one that like absorbs stuff and then gives it back. The, the gorilla has one too. Like, yeah. he has one. Yeah. But then they have the wind dials, which they use for the scooters. So they can, these little waivers. Yeah, they're all about storing and releasing energy. They prove to be a particular boon to Usopp's artillery. Yeah. And then they have the tone dials where you can leave messages on the dials and stuff, which is cool. Yeah. And they all buy these and use them. And Usopp trades for even more of them. Yes, he, he makes a nice little collection of them because they're very useful. And Usopp is like, like, I don't think we mentioned it for the Alabasta arc, but he makes stuff because he makes um, Nami that the Tempest 
that staff she uses. Climatat. The Climatat, which is just a three-section staff that you can disconnect and reassemble in certain ways. And, like, one side makes cold air bubbles, the other side makes hot air bubbles and, like, the lightning ball. And she can make, like, clouds and stuff. But if she uses it right, she can, like, get people with lightning, which is pretty effective. Yeah, Usopp uses the dials to make even better versions of all of those and to do even more. It's, like, the greatest boon to his arsenal that we have yet. Yeah, but it's cool to see what he can make with nothing, because he makes that Climatat with just stuff he has right yeah because she acts as him to make him a, her a weapon so she can help and they make her that and she's pretty effective with it because she takes a broke work agent down with it and alabasta crazy spike spike lady yeah but yeah they end up up there they hang out with them too and then like the cloud police shows up well once it's figured out that they are criminals they're so afraid of their god anel that they turn them in and the crew basically gets broken up into different parties that then go to different ways. They split the party. Uh, the ship gets impounded to the forest, and everyone now is in a mad dash to reconnect. You get your first sense of just how powerful Enel is, because you combine his lightning powers with his mantra, which we find out is just a hockey. Yeah, he just smites people with lightning. Yeah, from anywhere on the island. Because he smites her dad? Yeah. So he ends up living. That's another one of the fake outs, because they're like, oh no, if you get hit by that, you're dead. And he, he lives. And a few people, I think, have lived through the lightning strike, because I mean, yeah. you can survive lightning. It's just not very, like, it's not guaranteed. I'm surprised he did su- survive, because he's not grounded. I mean, they're on clouds. They're in the sky. Yeah. And then as they go into the city and everything, we discover the city of gold is there. Yeah. They're split in like three groups, right? Because some of them are still on the ship, I think. Well, you get two primary groups. You got the groups that were captured and then the group going after the save them. Yeah. Uh, so the captured group is Zoro, Robin, Chopper. Sanji? No. I think that's it. And then the other group is Luffy, Usopp. Sanji, and I think trying to remember where Robin is not Robin, where Nami, where Nami is during all of Nami was on the waiver, but I think she ends up like chasing down the ship on the waiver, so she ends up with ship crew because like they're being pulled away by like a giant fish. Turns out now you get to see the giant sky fish and the cloud sea, which is insane. Yeah, I think she ends up all on her own. I thought she ended up meeting back up with the ship crew eventually, I guess. Maybe after they leave the ship, uh, maybe she's the one with the whistle so i think she calls the the sky knight no chopper has the whistle oh right chopper has the whistle because i know he calls with sky knight for help yeah once this ship starts getting attacked by the sky sharks oh yeah and then the like guy with the heat lance like threatens to set the ship on fire yeah and like the ship is burning and there are sharks in there so um rock in a hard place and they get to fight the mantra users which is an interesting fight yeah and we also learn about the ongoing civil war between the god and then the residual members of of the original natives of Jaya. Yeah, I think that's what I don't... I think that's why this part, like, this arc kind of bored me, is that it's basically just a retelling of, oh, these are the natives and they're trying to take their land. And I'm like, hmm, this seems familiar. You know? So many stories have that story in it. We get the first hint of some mysterious force repairing the Going Merry, and Usopp kind of witnesses part of that. Yeah, but that's after they all join back up, right? Not all of them, maybe. No, because I think they're all camping at that point, because I know Nami's with them, and I think Sanji's with them, because none of them believe him, because they're all yeah. sitting around the campfire, and Nami and Sanji are there. The party with the wolves. Yeah, I think they are all back together for that point. Yeah, because like, they get there, they're on like that <laughs> weird duck ship. Cause it's not a waiver. It's like a it's a chicken bigger ship. Is it a chicken? Oh, you talk no. You're talking about the cloud ship. Yeah, the little cloud ship that she takes them on. Like after dads gets shot, they all get on that and they leave. And it's bigger than a waiver, but it's uses the dials too. Yeah, but it's a little slower and they all end up over there and i think they fight some of the people before they meet back up with them i think sanji has his fight maybe well they have to go through a series of trials there's a trial of balls the trial of steel the trial of strings yeah oh yeah we didn't mention zoro during the alabaster arc has that arc where he just learns how to cut 
deal. But he can't do it again. Yeah. Yeah. But he couldn't figure out how he did it. And like when he did it, he was like, he was deafened. Like because of all the damage he had taken, there's like blood and he couldn't hear anything. He could just hear his heartbeat. And he remembers his master teaching him that like, you know, the sword can cut anything or it can cut nothing. It cuts what you want it to. Yeah. And he ends up cutting that dude. It's like every item has a, they t- call it like a frequency or an harmony that needs to be met to allow you to cut it. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't mastered it, but he managed to do it so he knows he can. Which is like, I guess, step one, you know? Yeah. But he beats somebody. I don't remember if he uses that ability to beat somebody. Because I don't know if he masters the steel cutting yet. I think he's still working on it. He defeats the swordsman who has the dog. Right. And then, like, the whole big melee breaks out. You got the three sides all fighting each other. Uh, yeah, you got the Skypea people, the gorilla fighters. Well, not Skypea people. The, like apostles i guess to the god yeah. i forget what he calls them i don't know if he calls them apostles but he calls himself a god and we find out that the sky knight is named godfried and he was the original god but the other dude showed up wiped out all his priests and dethroned him usurped him he usurps him and uh so you've got this big melee and it turns out Enel, the god with his observation hockey skills had actually seen slightly into the future and predicted that there would only be six survivors left at the end of the battle Mm -hmm. and there were you got three straw hats and robin zoro and nami and then you had Enel himself one of the soldiers of Enel's army and one shandor and Right, there's Shandoran, I forget. And then Luffy was technically still conscious, but he was trapped in the belly of a giant snake. Oh, yeah, Luffy gets eaten. I forgot about that. He just gets straight up fucking eaten. He doesn't even, like, we never see him get eaten. We just, we see someone else get eaten, and while they're exploring the snake, he's like, yeah, I've been trapped in this cave for a while. He just wandered (laughs) into the snake. I don't know. (laughs) It's like, at no point do you see him ever get eaten. He is just there. Yeah. Like, oh, I got lost and found my way into this snake. Poor Luffy. Yeah, he's stuck in there and they he gets freed like near the end, right? When they're trying to climb that thing to get to the bell. Yeah, Nami ends up getting swallowed by the snake and he's she's the one who finds Luffy and is like, Luffy, you're in a snake. And Luffy's like, oh, well, then I know how to get out. And he just starts beating it up. You know, effectively gives the snake a tummy ache until he spits him out. And then Anel beats everyone else mm-hmm. because no matter how good of a sword Zoro is, you can't cut lightning. Yeah. <laughs> You're holding two light, three lightning rods, Zoro. Kind of ineffective. And then uh, Enel's like, well, Nami, you can come with me. And takes Nami. And then Luffy starts to fight Enel. And turns out Luffy's made of rubber. So he is immune to lightning. <laughs> and can hit and touch Enel. So he begins to soundly defeat him. Right, because no one else can hurt him at all because he's made, like, that's a Lugia fruit thing. They're made of that fruit. Yeah. Unless you have the hockey or, in Luffy's case, you have the thing that nullifies it. Yeah, a lot of Logias seem to have some kind of inherent weakness. Yeah, and Crocodile's being wet, Anel's is rubber. But they're very vague. It's not clear if everyone has that kind of weakness. Mm-hmm. But it seems like some do, and then if you don't have that exact weakness, they can be defeated with hockey. Yeah, but they're all racing to ring that bell. I know Luffy's crew is doing it for Cricket, because like when the whole thing was like when he returned, they would ring the bell for him or something. Yeah, Luffy's looking to ring the bell just to prove to Cricket that the bell is there. Yeah, just to prove its existence. Like that's his determination is to ring it for that. But no one else is like trying to ring it. And Nell, I think, is interested in capturing it just because he thinks. It's a neat trinket like he sees it as they're taking off he's like oh that bell would be cool but once he gets into the fight he forgets about it and he's like no i'm just gonna i'm, I'm just gonna go over here and do my thing yeah because it's made of gold and during the fight like the only way he can like stop luffy is he melts that gold with the heat of the lightning mm-hmm. and traps it around his leg arm arm and it's just like luffy can't lift that and he just keeps stretching out because of it if I may paraphrase something, I think Jeff from my mother's basement said, Luffy then proceeds to beat him with a two-ton symbol of his own avarice and hubris. Yes, <laughs> he sure fucking does. And he does that, and as he hits him with it, like it hits the bell and it rings the bell. Mm-hmm. And it's like their victory cry. And you get to see Cricket down below, and Luffy's silhouette is projected on the skies below him. Yeah, I was going to say, he's like the silhouette, <laughs> the big straw hat. <laughs> And the straw hats are victorious, although Anel does get away. And they never show this in the anime, but I know from the manga that he goes to the moon. Yeah. Does they take down the ship? Nope. Anel 
That's what he takes to get to the moon. That's kind of insane. That was his point, though. He wanted to go to the moon for some fucking reason. Well, they see Earth, right? rocks and dirt as sacred because it's not something that is naturally occurring in their world Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons that this bit of island that they had was so sacred to them but every night when the moon comes out they look up in the sky and they see a giant rock and they're like well that's special that's not something you could i almost said the moon's not something you see every day (laughs) (laughs) no you see it every night But yeah, so he goes to the moon and you know, when he gets there, he's greeted by robot toys people. Robot toys? I was he greeted by the bunny? No, they're like little toy soldiers. They're robots. Hmm. And the last I know is that he's up there working with these robots on the moon. Might come into play later, but as of yet, not at all. Right. And I love how this arc ends because it's them deciding to be pirates. Yeah, they steal that gold, even though the islanders were trying to give them gold like more yeah they're trying to chase them down with like a big pillar of gold mm-hmm. and not robin knows it but she's like ah, eh, i guess what's whatever yeah she's robin's like well this seems like fun let's go he's like i guess they don't want it let's go robin also found a message from roger oh this is when they found the message from gold roger right that's carved in poneglyph yeah on a poneglyph in the ancient language which is a language that almost no one is supposed to be able to read she wants to read all the poneglyphs she's searching for a certain one but this one and the previous one she's seen is just weapons but she's looking for one that has history, I think. Yeah, like there's a few. Most of them are retellings of history. But there's a few. I think there are three in total. One for each of the ancient weapons that tells where the weapons are and how to find them. Well, no, the one she saw Crocodile had is a weapon. And then the one in Skyperia, I think, is also a weapon. Yep. And they see the third one that is a weapon in Fishman Island. And that's those three. Yeah. She's like so disappointed because she's like, I want the history, but she's just finding the weapons. They're named crazy too like i think one of them is named neptune or pluto or something the weapons are named neptune pluto and uranus yeah to get back down they're given that octopus thing that inflates with air yeah an octopus air balloon mm-hmm. now they're drifting down they're like is it getting smaller turns out that it doesn't last the whole way down and this is like the beginning of the end for mary yeah it crashes hard into the ocean and you see it crack that what we find out later is a very important being actually they don't show that get cracked they show the impact but at no point do they ever like zoom in to the crack to show it happening Mm, must be a flashback later because i remember seeing it cracking so did you want to talk about the g8 filler art because i did not take any notes on that we can kind of just gloss over it i mean we gloss over skype we're, we're glossing over a lot of this so we can mention it because i mean they just crash land there and they just run around and out with them ring they end up breaking in like three separate times for some fucking reason so the g8 arc is often considered online as like the best of the filler arcs it's the only one i would even bother to mention and it's just because it gives everyone a little chance to shine mm-hmm. but yeah they land in the middle of a circle of death they flee into it to tide and then they escape but they found that they all their gold is missing so they break back in to get their gold and then they escape again right i think my favorite part of that filler arc is probably sanji when they're like he ends up having like a cooking competition yeah because they think he's a, a cook sent from like the headquarters some fancy cook and he ends up just making because sanji's like a world-class chef at this point like obviously every chef he comes up against he just shows them up so hard and he is the kind of person who wastes nothing so he makes like really good working man food and they let the marines judge and he obviously wins his food is just way better than these people and they're like he showed us up because he cooked what we're good at cooking but we decided to make something fancy and like threw away so much stuff and he used their leftovers i think yeah he used their scraps like he pulled the meat from their bones pulverized their bones used their celery and broccoli stalks to make a stock he used their scrap to make a better food than they made with the raw ingredient yeah like they cut out like the best parts of the meat we'll throw the rest away and he's like no i'm gonna use that and then yeah they escape again and they end up back in the air because every philoarch has to end the exact same way it started right yeah and then they crash land again to earth (laughs) to the sea i guess that's so if you want to skip it you don't miss anything yeah and i do normally when i rewatch it you skip it (laughs) yeah and then uh we come nicely to everyone's favorite arc long ring long land this is literally the arc that i consider filler even though i know it's canon because i just don't care about it so it is a lot better in the manga it's shorter in the manga too (laughs) 
Yeah, it is just one Davy Back game. That's what they, they come to this town. They meet uh, people, a person who is trapped. While they're there, they get attacked by a opposing pirate crew. But instead of fighting, he's like, hey, let's have a Davy Back fight, which is, you know, three challenges. We each bet something. And if you win, you take you can bet crew members or even a flag. You know, we're driving for pink slips. Yeah. And the dude's got a huge crew because he's just been doing this and just taking members from other crews mm-hmm. there's a real interesting theory that i'm kind of liking where the whole reason oda introduced this and introduced us to the idea of a davy fat fight is at the very end of the series when it comes down to luffy's crew versus shanks crew they're gonna settle it with a davy back fight <laughs> that would be funny because that's something shanks would do right mm-hmm. oh, we do get the pretty epic thing where in the anime where they do the davy back fight with Zoro and sanji who can't get along and won't work together they have that moment where, like, Sanji catapults Zoro by sticking his leg out, and Zoro jumps on it, and then Sanji kicks him like a fucking ball, and he goes flying. Yeah, which is weird, because Sanji was the ball. Yeah. Well, they gotta protect the ball. Yeah. So, it's like, in the manga, I believe it is just the three challenges. It's the ball game, the soccer equivalent, the race around the island, and then the boxing match. Yeah. That's the only parts of the anime I watched. I skipped through a lot of it when I watched it, so I don't remember it. Because the reason the other guy wins is because he cheats because he has the slow slow fruit well yeah and you know because this whole arc mini arc is a a whole send-up to racky races and old looney tunes (laughs) you know he's dastardly Trailing his mustache and trying his best to cheating, but failing and helping the enemy team every time he does. Well, he successfully wins in the the race one because they get Chopper because he slows them down right before the finish so that they're slowed enough for the other people to pass them. I just I love the part where he uses the slow slow food to try to slow down Luffy's fist and he he hits him and then he just walks away and they're like what's happening? He's like uh, give it a minute and then Luffy counts down and the dude just you see his face just slowly get crunched and then he goes flying. Oh yeah, when he uh, Luffy he uses the mirror to throw it back at him. Mm-hmm. Because he slowed him down instead of Luffy. <laughs> oh, and the afro. <laughs> mm-hmm. The arrow of power. Wow, you seem just more powerful wearing the afro. I love how, I think my favorite response to it is Sanji, right? Because you, you see Luffy and Usopp. Chopper all freaking out over it. But they're like the children. Uh, Chopper doesn't even get it. It's just Luffy and Usopp. And they're like, yeah, yeah, oh, the afro makes it. This is what you got to do. We got to have the afro. And then it cut, and they're the only ones like in the dressing room. And then it cuts to the stands where you see the rest of the crew. And the rest of the crew are just like, I don't get it. But Sanji's just, and he's like, shaking he's like so funky (laughs) (laughs) i forgot about that yeah I think that's like a nod to like Muhammad, uh, like a, a black boxer. Like I don't know if it's Muhammad Ali. I don't think he had an afro. He didn't. I don't. I can't think of any like famous professional boxers that had an afro. I think it's just them having fun. Yeah, but it's it's great. He they love that afro. It's so stupid. It turns out that the other dude's like filled filled his gloves with like horseshoes and shit or something, right? Spikes, metal plates, something spikes. Right? Like he cheats so hard because there's traps in the ship, and he like sends them off, and he needs to get back. To him and he's going through all these traps and shit and Luffy's like come the fuck on I just want to punch you it goes full Looney Tunes when he opens like the door to the med bay and Foxy's there in a nurse's outfit and a big fake mask and he's like he's not here and Luffy's like oh okay sorry to bother you and leaves right and it just goes full Bugs Bunny god that was so stupid uh, I hate that arc and they win so they take the flag so they have to disband the crew because they took their flag mm-hmm. like, first they got Chopper back then they took their flag yeah. And then, so we had that little bit of fun. Mm-hmm. And then Oda was like, okay, you had your fun. Now to ruin your day. <laughs> and we get to meet Akiji. Oh, this is when they run into Akiji? Yeah. And he just fucking, man, that dude's legitimately scary. Mm-hmm. Like, he's an admiral, one of three. So one of like top five most powerful people in the Navy and just takes them out handily and easily. Ice ice fruit, I think? I think so, yeah. Like, I think the only reason he lets them go is because, like, he freezes Robin solid and he tries to break her. Like, his object was just to kill Robin. No, he didn't even go there to kill Robin. This was simply a personal thing where he went to check on Robin and acknowledge where she was and check in on Luffy's crew because it turns out he had a very good relationship with Garp and wanted to meet his grandson and acknowledge... We forgot about Garp because they introduced Garp in Alabasta too. No. He runs into him before he leaves Alabasta. No. No? That's the end of Water 7, like after in his lobby. Oh, is it? Ah, damn. 
Yeah. We just haven't got there yet. Right. I guess spoilers. Luffy's grandpa is like a, he's an admiral, huh? He's high up there. No, he's a vice admiral. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's revealed that he has been offered the position of admiral several times, but keeps turning it down because becoming an admiral makes you the celestial dragon's bitch. Yeah. He won't do that. And he refuses to do that. He can't do that. But yeah, he freezes Robin solid. So they freak out. Luffy's like, it looks like he's trying to break her. I don't know if he's not trying to break her, but Luffy does everything he can. He gets a leg and an arm frozen. And like, he's ready to just throw his life away to protect Robin. And the dude just ends up letting Luffy go, I think. He freezes Nico Robin solid and tells them that everyone who's ever worked with Nico Robin in the last 30 years or so has ended up betrayed and dead. Yeah. Uh, and then he tells tells them what they need to do to recover her. And then Luffy sends everyone away so he can fight him by himself and they can get to safety. Well, I remember him like going after Robin and Luffy like flipping her around his back so that he doesn't break her. Like he breaks a piece of her hair off or something. Maybe he wasn't. I know his intention was not to hurt or kill Robin with this meeting. Yeah, but we don't know that at that point. Yeah. And it legitimately seems like that to them because he sends them away with her running while he's like holding out Kiji at bay. That's what it seems like. Yeah, but Luffy does get frozen completely solid as well, and Zoro and Sanji go back for him and find him, and they all get thrown in the tub to be defrosted. Yeah, like they, well, they put her in the sea, I think, for a minute, and then they fill the tub with cold water because they have to, to thaw them slowly. Because if you thaw them too, like Chopper lets them know what they have to do. Yeah. But they end up okay, but Alkiji makes like an ice bridge. Yeah, for a group of lost shipwrecks they found. Yeah, for them to just safely walk because apparently like that dude is the only person on that part of the island because the island is an archipelago, I think. So parts of it go underwater every once in a while. So they all have to migrate and he just doesn't want to. Well, that's for the one man. Yeah. The group of people they find are shipwrecks. Yeah, the dude ends up going with him too. But yeah, like, like it's proven that like he seems like a bad dude, but he's not a bad dude. And the stuff we find out later like cements the fact that no, he's a good dude. But after that, like they all just double down on Robin. I think this actually in like makes them more trusting of her. Kind of, it does fill some of them, like especially Zoro, with a bit of trepidation because they're like, oh, we're being warned this might be a bad idea. It might actually be one. Yeah, it definitely but fills no Robin with trepidation. She's like, mm, I'm just going to get these people killed, which I think is kind of her reasons for what she does in Water 7 because she doesn't trust them to help her, so she goes willingly with the CP9 people. Yeah, because they threaten to kill the crew if she doesn't come quietly. Yeah, and she's just like the rest of them when they first joined they she doesn't trust them to actually be able to fight back and then that of course does lead us straight to water seven yep to the sea train because they run into the like they're probably at water seven they run into the old lady i don't know if it's in an island or it's just out in the middle of the ocean they get stuck on the do they get stuck on the train tracks or they just see the train yeah no they get they like beach themselves on the tracks and they have to kind of force themselves off and the sea train comes through and it's like oh there's a sea train with like floating tracks that just go under the water and it allows for easy travel between it's a big triangle there's three primary islands that are all fairly like relatively close to each other yeah and this just allowed for such easier transport of people and goods that it like was such a huge boon to the economy it was ridiculous. Yeah, like it's Water 7, and I don't remember the other two, because I, I don't know if they... They probably say them, I just don't remember, because I don't think they go to those islands. Yeah, it's... Well, they go to one of them, in its lobby. Right. And then there's another one, and I know they say the name of it, because it's where the costume party is being held, that everyone's wearing those masks for. Right. But they never actually... We never see that island. We're told about it, but we never actually see it. Yeah. And Water 7 is basically, like, their version of Venice, because it all the stuff on it is slowly sinking, so they keep building up and building up. Yep, it's anime Venice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep, and they arrive and they all immediately break up into little groups. Zoro stays on board to protect the ship. Luffy... Luffy and Nami take their money, I believe. Nami and Usopp take the money to exchange it for berries. Robin and Chopper go book shopping, and Sanji goes grocery shopping. Yeah, which is usually what happens when they go to islands is they restock. Because I know they're excited about Water 7 because this is where they can get the Mary repair, because Water 7 is a shipwright island. Yeah, 
they're very excited to get a shipwright. They want to get their ship repaired and also find a shipwright to come on full time with the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Usopp's like, I, I've been fixing it, but I'm not a shipwright. And then just so much happens. So much drama happens. I mean, while Chop and Robin are shopping, Robin disappears. Then Usopp's gets his ass kicked. Twice. And robbed. Yeah, he gets robbed. And then to your favorite part, Clayton, he gets robbed. And then they go after the Frankie family to get his money back. Mm-hmm. They can't get the money back because Frankie already left with it. But we do get to see Zoro, Luffy, Sanji, and Chopper just kick ass. Oh, yeah. Chopper in, like, his big deer form, right? The horn point or whatever he calls it, I think. So much happens so fast. You can't, it doesn't let you process anything before you're like, oh, by the way, this happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, okay, we have to deal with the fact that Mary's broken down. Oh, we have to get a new ship. Usopp's mad. Usopp and Luffy are fighting this whole time. Robin's missing and no one has even been allowed to acknowledge it yet. Mm-hmm. <sighs> And then the fight between Usopp and, and um Luffy are so tragic. Yeah. Like and I remember the dude we watched, I forget what his name is, the book writer. Daniel Green. Yeah. And he's like, Man, Usopp only took all his fights this seriously. And I'm like, that's a little not fair for Usopp because honestly, when fighting Luffy, it's someone he knows. And he has a day. So he plots and he plans and shit. If he had that for other fights, he probably could have put up more of a fight. Yeah. But man, he tries to take Luffy down. He fights pretty fucking hard and dirty because he wants the Mary. And then they end up just letting him have the Mary because he thinks it's such a big misunderstanding because he thinks Luffy just wants a better ship. He won't acknowledge that the Mary can't be saved, even though like the shipwrights told him we can't save the Mary. Yeah. Oh, they introduced the dude with the square nose that everybody keeps calling Usopp because he has a big nose. <laughs> the whole Galila crew. Mm-hmm. All the shipwrights. Or are they? Mm-hmm. Scooby Doo up in this bitch. Literally, they get their mask pulled off. One of them is actually a shipwright. <laughs> no, one of two of them are not. The rest are all shipwrights, with at least the infiltration team. I mean, the main ones, the main, like the big shipwrights. Two of them are traitors, but the other big one, the rope dude, is one. But like, I remember because they end up fighting them again later, and he's like, Did you lie about the marriage? And he's like, No, I take my job as a shipwright seriously. So, yeah, Usopp gets kicked out. The crew then go to a hotel in town only to wake up the next morning everyone's depressed about what happened but before they can even talk about it they get a newspaper shoved in their face like hey robin tried to assassinate the mayor last night Mm -hmm. so now they're all trying to figure that out yeah the mayor who is also the head of the shipwrights that they met the previous day yeah iceberg pretty cool guy yeah i love he's got the little mouse Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you got a mouse? He's like, yeah, I just found him. He's now my pet. Uh, I will name him Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. <sighs> so much. I can't touch on it all. These people can jump and fly in the midair because they have mastery of something that ends up just being hockey or something. The six techniques. No, it's not hockey. It is strictly martial arts. <laughs> it is not hockey. It is the six paths, six techniques that almost simulate hockey but is distinctly different yeah because i i know i remember like they do like iron body so they're hard and they can do the thing where they just jump off of air yep and all that is is powerful enough leg to kick the air and actually like compress it under their foot and jump Mm -hmm. and they tense their body muscles hard enough to like form a shell yeah i think donji ends up learning how to do the air kick one yeah after the time skip luffy immediately copies their shave technique, which is their fast movement. Yeah. And I mean, when they first run into him in Iceberg's office, they get their butts kicked. Kind of. I mean, Luffy gets blown away and stuck between two buildings. I think that happens to him twice. Yeah, that happens twice. Like, the first time, he eventually wedges himself out. The second time, he's stuck too tightly, and he actually has to push the buildings apart. Yeah. And then, like, all this is going down, and then the Alpha Lagoon is coming. Right. There's a typhoon coming. It's a yearly typhoon. Oddly enough, it's a typhoon typhoon that is caused by the sudden tide change that we experience on Long Wing, Long Island. Yeah. You know, because the, the tide recedes suddenly on that island so sharply that it creates one big island that is 10 islands all connecting each other. But then the tide comes back up and it separates them back into individual island. That tide, that yearly tide is what generates the Laguna annual typhoon. Which is insane. But yeah, Robin's on the last sea train out and they're like, oh no, we have to get her. So they buy 
Sparrow at Sing Train, the old one from the lady. Rocket Man. Rocket Man has no brakes. <laughs> Rocket Man has no brakes. They happily don't tell them till they're already in route. <laughs> and so starts the chase. You got Yeah, they turns out that Sandri's actually just on the train with Robin. So we're skipping the whole conversation Are we? Usopp and Frankie have. Right, because they both get kidnapped. Well, Frankie kidnaps Usopp in the ship, thinking he can use that to get to Luffy. But of course, Usopp tells him, I'm not technically on the crew anymore. They're not coming for me. And they have a chat. Frankie tells Usopp about the Somatomon. Oh, right. The ship spirit. Yeah, which is what we think repaired the ship and proves that the ship may be sentient. Yeah, and it's like we now realize that Frankie's just a straight up shipwright. And he also confirms that no, you can't save the Mary and he tries to disassemble it. Usopp gets pissed and tries to fix it. Yeah, Frankie then just breaks it even more. He ends up stop breaking it because he realizes it's not going to work. Yeah. But then those people show up to kidnap Frankie, right? And they release the ship out into the harbor during the Aqua Laguna because Aqua Laguna will finish it off. And Usopp is upset. And, well, Usopp ends up hanging out with Frankie because that's how he ends up on the train with Sanji, right? Yes. Well, so... I know, I'm skipping around. Go ahead. <laughs> so they take off and it turns out Sanji, who was missing for most of the turmoil, found his way to the train. And you had Frankie gets captured. So it's Frankie and Robin mm-hmm. at the front of the train as hostages and then able to jump onto the back of the train to be the first group of people to rescue them is Sanji and Sniper King. Which is just who stopped wearing a mask and everyone knows it except for Luffy apparently. It's so much funner if you pretend to believe that they're different people. I mean it's so obvious though. Like he trips up constantly. Everyone acknowledges it. Like Sanji's even like Usopp he's like no I'm Sniper King and he puts on a voice and he comes up with all this stuff from Sniper Island. He's like whatever dude. Sanji and Usopp manage to free Frankie so then it becomes Sanji, Usopp and Frankie fighting the soldiers to get to Robin. Right and they have like that they call like they snail call um because we forget about the snails with the communication of snails for some fucking reason. But they managed to get in contact with Luffy and them. Yeah, that's another great bit of world building. The entire network infrastructure of this world is based on a breed of pseudo telepathic snails, mm-hmm. which is just amazing. Right? It's great to see the snails, like, talking like the people that are talking to them, and they make faces and everything. It's great. And then they use them like fax machines sometimes, or even projectors and TV screens. Which is insane. <laughs> but he has that conversation with them, and then decides that he's gonna go alone and try to stop them. Yeah. Oh, and the reason Frankie got captured, the reason that they went through the trouble of capturing capturing Frankie is because he has the plans to the weapon Pluton. It is the first weapon where we get a concrete idea of what it is. Right, because it's a ship, because they're his master, because Frankie used to work with, back when he was known as another name, he used to work with... Uh, Cuddy Flam. Yeah, he used to work with Iceberg and that fishman that they worked under. But Frankie would build warships and got in trouble for it. You get that flashback. Yeah, his master built the Uro Jackson, which is... Gold Roger ship. Gold Roger ship, yeah. And apparently the plans to Pluton have been handed down from shipwright to shipwright, from master to apprentice for generations. And Frankie is the most recent one to hold it. Yeah. And they have to hold, they hold on to it as a deterrent, essentially, a secret weapon. If the government ever builds another weapon of that scale, the people then have the plans to do one for themselves as well. Yeah. I love that because, like, their master, I forget his name, the fisherman's name, but he gets sent to Impel Down because, well, they think he's killed, actually. I want to say Tom. Yeah, I think it was Tom. But they think he's killed. He gets sent to Impel Down because he refuses to, like, lie that he didn't make that ship for Gold Roger. Because he's like, I made a great ship. I'm proud of it. Even though it didn't do great things, you should always own up to the ships you make. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, something he tells Frankie. He said there's no such thing as plans for a pirate ship. You just build a ship. What it's used for is none of your business. Like, it's none of your concern. You just build the best ship you can build. Right. Frankie, he's building, like, those warships. And they get end up getting used by someone else to, like, frame them or something. Yeah, the government uses them to frame him so that they can attack Tom and try to get the plan 
pinch of pluton from tom because they knew he had him yeah then you find out like the old drunk train conductor lady was actually with tom like they were a couple yeah really cool moment you get to see zoro cut the train in half oh yeah like zoro the rest of the gang gets on a second train rocket man that's going after them and frankie and sanji on the first train at one point just decouple one of the cars so it's left on the track abandoned and as rocket man's coming at it one of my favorite moments rocket man's careening at this train car and everyone's like oh no what do we do and luffy just goes hey zoro can you cut that and zoro says okay and everyone's like what okay so just walks to the front pulls out his sword does one of his little chants and cuts the bitch in half yeah not as cool when the dude that's in that car like the navy dude had already cut like the top of it or something like he uses square cuts which is so weird right angle slash and stuff yeah that guy's my favorite like he starts with a cape but every time someone gets injured he rips a piece off to to patch them up yeah what is this it's like bone tea or something like that he's a really good guy yeah uh being wasted on such a corrupt and evil government we gotta talk about the noodle dude don't we no no we don't <laughs> we should probably mention the noodle dude <laughs> we get to see a guy make noodles by chewing up flour and water and then squirting them out of his nose through a grid of nose hair didn't need to be discussed and sanji was upset also super upset that the dude is using like the chef knives or something other than cooking yeah and it kind of I, I like this because sanji fights with his feet because his hands are important for cooking right mm-hmm. but he can wield a knife he's actually good with a knife he just refuses to use them to fight yeah but he ends up using them to like deal with the ramen he makes through his nose oh god and he's been feeding this to the people on the train and you're just like ugh, ugh, i'm gonna puke <laughs> that's so gross Usopp makes his way to Robin, but she refuses to to actually help. Like she's like, "No, I'm staying. You need to leave. Y'all need to leave. Why don't you listen and leave?" Mm-hmm. Uh, right, and she just goes along with them. So, like, they cut the train. I think they end up doing that to try to get away, but they end up recovering Robin, but they don't get Frankie because I think they rescue Frankie, don't they? Yeah, they have Frankie, and then pretty much they just. Like, once they all team back up, they've rescued Frankie, and the only one still with the government is Robin. Nope. And they just decide, not. we're gonna get Robin. I remember Frankie's like, you crazy woman, you're driving Rocket Man? (laughs) Uh, And that's pretty much the end of uh, Water 7. Then this leads into Ennis Lobby. Uh, It's a bit dragged out. They're all a bit dragged out, though. The big arcs. But, yeah, we'll probably go try to get up to Funk Hazard. I doubt we'll make it in one more episode, but, yeah. I think on the next episode, we'll probably make it to the time skip. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hope so, because a lot of the stuff at the time skip is really good. So if you guys like that, you know, check us out. You know, we're subscribe so you don't miss any more. Follow us if you want to see us playing games. That's Dark Oden Gaming and CJan Play. Links in description. And we'll catch you guys next time. Do you want to say goodbye to the peeps? <laughs> All right, goodbye. Bye, laters.